Hello, happy Wednesday. It has been a wild one. Unfortunately, you get to spend an hour with me for Embossed. That's right. And I am filling in for the great Nina Turner. And please, while you spend this hour with us, do not forget to subscribe, also share on the stream, and send some love in the comments because we love to hear from you. We also love to hear from the great Francesca Fiorentini. Hello, Francesca. Adrian, you didn't even introduce yourself. Adrian oh, Lawrence, everybody, uh, so oh. good to be on with you on Nina's show, of course. But you know, I feel like it's in good hands. Thank you so much, much appreciated. Of course, remembering my name would be important, but then again, <laughs> I'm not George Santos, and I don't have multiple names to remember. But yes, that's right. The comeuppance—they have come for George Santos, aka Anthony DeBolder, aka George DeBolder. Yeah, and the GOP is beside itself. This legal oh, process um, is going to play itself out. Unfortunately, this is not the first time a member of Congress from either party has been indicted. There are a set of rules, and as uh, the majority leader stated, he voluntarily had stepped down from his committees. Uh, we are committed to making sure that we root out uh, any fraud when it comes to unemployment uh, pandemic assistance, and we're working to have uh, support from our conference. And it's good policy, and we urge the Democrats to vote in support of it. Yes, the Democrats should vote and all the jurors on Santos's case should definitely vote because it's gonna be a real special one. And that person was House GOP Conference Chair Elise Stefanik. And her remarks are coming in the wake of the unveiling of the 13 count indictment against the New York Congressman George Santos. After he surrendered to authorities, the 34 year old left a Long Island courthouse in police custody this afternoon on a $500,000 bond and Santos, he pleaded not guilty to 13 charges broken down here per the New York Times. That's right, seven counts wire fraud, three counts money laundering, two counts making false statements to House representatives, and one count of public funds theft. Now these charges are linked to three different schemes involving fraud. The political contribution solicitation scheme, also unemployment insurance fraud, and allegations that he misled the House about his finances. Among the allegations were some pretty interesting things about the congressman. Yeah, prosecutors say Santos induced supporters to donate to a company under the false pretense that the money would be used to support his campaign. Instead, they say he used the money for personal expenses, including design designer clothes and his credit card and car payments. Now Santos's lies range really far and wide as I think we all know as we've watched him over the last several months just really lies way in office. Anyway, New York Magazine tried to keep a running list of all of his falsifications. This is what they have. He lied about his education, work background, that he founded an animal charity, swindled disabled veterans. Also, he said his mom died in 9-11 when I think she wasn't even in the country at that point. Also, he claimed his grandmother was a Holocaust victim. He said he was Jewish. It's just really the list goes on for this man. And I was wondering how long it would take the feds to actually, you know, maybe slap some handcuffs on him because there definitely had to be criminality there. And I guess it took what, five months? Yeah. Uh, Francesca, how do you feel about these charges? Oh, it's not over. He's gonna fight and we will see how this plays out if for nothing else than sheer entertainment value. Uh, this is amazing to me and I know we're gonna get into his defense. Um, but yeah, it finally happened. I have a little, here. here's my theory, Adrian, I wanna float this theory. There's also Trump news, right? That happened yeah. yesterday. Trump uh, was found guilty of sexual abuse, $5 million he has to pay, et cetera, et cetera. Why? 
every time there's Trump news, there's also Santos news. Riddle me that. I think Santos is an op for both parties just to distract away for, for sure for the Republicans be like, oh, don't pay attention to the guy. We're actually probably gonna run again for president who is also a criminal. Um, but no, 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 let's focus on this other criminal. Hey, so that is, I just wanna get out the gate. Um, you know, I think this is amazing though, cuz it's like it's it's kind of like what happens when like the 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 like kind of loser kid in high school like basically lies a bunch to sit with the popular kids, you know? And he's like, so, "Well, uh, you know, I'm rich too and I have I have like hedge funds and whatever. And my mom died on a I'm a Jew, I'm the and does anything they want and the rich kids are like, "Oh, you can sit with us Republicans in this case. You could totally Yeah, you could sit here." Like they're all POSs. They all are like swindling a bunch of people, but they do it like above board. You know what I mean? George Santos just like lied himself into it and he's like what gives, you know? And now they're finding out, so they're like, you know, booting him out of the castle, so to speak. Oh my God! But are they booting him out of the castle? That is definitely the question which we need to address because, as you've mentioned, the Republicans they lie on the regular; they just do it yep. above board. But they've known that Santos is kind of the embellisher to the point of lying for some time. He's been an embarrassment to the party, and he definitely embarrassed them today. Why? Because it was the unsealing of the indictment happened to coincide with the GOP's unemployment fraud press conference. Here's the House Majority Leader. Steve Scalise being confronted by reporters in light of the unemployment fraud that Santos is alleged to have committed. So first of all, in regard to George Santos, he was already removed from all of his committees. There is a legal process, the charges just came out. We just saw some of them this morning. And so in America, there's a presumption of innocence, but they're serious charges. He's gonna have to go through the legal process. But we're gonna continue to work to root out fraud. And there's lots of it. And we're talking about tens, if not hundreds of billions of dollars in fraud in many. Yeah, it seems like there was a lot of fraud going on there with George Santos, who interestingly enough, co-sponsored this bill. Uh, that attacked unemployment fraud. Yeah, it's kind of like they're just really showing us who they are. I, I don't know. But there have been many calls for Santos to resign, as you know, since day one. And one of the most vocal advocates on the left has been fellow New York Congressperson Richie Torres, who had this to say on MSNBC upon learning about the Santos indictment. Look, I, I would never bet on the integrity of the Republican Party, which has a high tolerance for scandal and corruption and criminality. And George Santos to me is not an accident, he's an outgrowth of a broken Republican Party whose standard bearer is Donald Trump, who on the same day was found liable for sexual assault. So the modern Republican Party is an endless stream of scandal. And I have no confidence in the ability of the Republican Party to hold George Santos accountable at all. Oof, that is spot on. There's really no integrity there with the GOP. And as we know with these charges, it just keeps getting worse by the day. But unfortunately, Torres may be right here, you know, as the charges are unlikely to affect Santos's position in Congress. Why? Well, because there are no rules in place that bar Santos from staying in office. He could be charged, he could be convicted, he could be imprisoned. 
but he can still continue to serve in Congress. That is, unless Santos resigns or he is expelled. And it seems kind of the former appears to be unlikely. And as far as the latter goes in terms of expulsion, I don't know that that's gonna happen. Because as we have the Speaker of the House, Kevin McCarthy, he seems to be making it clear that he wants to let the process play out. I haven't seen the indictment, but as you know, with George Santos, I did not put him on any committees. Um, for those like Senator Menendez, who was indicted and went to trial, he was still able to vote, and others. He, I believe he's the chairman of the committee today. Uh, in America, we'll, we'll just follow the same pattern we always have, right? If a person is indicted, they're not on committees, they have the right to vote, but they have to go to trial. If, um, just like we had a member of Fortenberry, he had the same ability, I removed him from committees. But he was found guilty, and I told me he needed to resign. I, I, that is my policies and principles on this, and I'd follow the same thing. So, Francesca, what we have is a member of Congress who's been credibly accused of fraud, has engaged in multiple instances of lying on the public stage and arena, and who most people don't trust with anything. And yet he should still continue to stay a member of Congress until the what system plays out. Is that is that weird to you? Yeah, let's uh, you know that's the way Republicans do. Yeah, it didn't happen until due process. Maybe if I believe in due process, but I don't really. Um, look, Kevin McCarthy does not care that George Santos is a complete liar and a fraud. Kevin McCarthy wants a warm body to vote the way every other Republican will vote. And honestly, that's the proof that the Republican Party is just empty suits whose job it is to funnel money upwards. Is the George Santos campaign and victory and tenure, right? Which is, it doesn't matter who you say you are or who you swindled. As long as you're that warm body who's gonna help keep the rich even richer, you you, you pass the test, man. Like, and he's got always oh, got a sexual assault allegation to boot. Hey, he's part of the club at this point. The thing about George Santos, and he just said it's a witch hunt against him, and I love that. I love it for him because, honey, not everyone can do Donald. I know you think you can do Donald, but you can't do Donald. You just got here. You gotta earn Donald. You need decades of corruption, not just this mealy mouth GoFundMe, ass stole money from a you know homeless vet with a dog. You know, no. You need big corrupt. You need bankrupt casinos corruption. You know, then you can earn witch hunt title. But until then, babe, we're gonna see. Yeah, that sounds right to me. And especially because as it concerns Trump, well, all those years of criming and hurting people really seemed to come to a head yesterday when he was found liable of sexual assault and defamation in that civil case against E. Jean Carroll and ordered to pay $5 million. And while we know that Fox News wasn't necessarily going to take the same framing with that verdict as most other outlets. I will lick his wounds, his supporters might not be moved by this. The women were expected, suburban women to be the swing vote in this might be. We'll see, we'll see what, the, what the lingering impact will be in terms of the elections. Leo, what's your reaction? Uh, probably just the opposite, Martha. You know, as a lawyer for 30 plus years, uh, this, this woman went around on media, left wing media, and said she was raped. With the lowest standard of evidence, preponderance of evidence, the jury said, no, that's not true. We do not believe you. That's, that's a major, major concession. And she lost on their, on her biggest claim, the rape charge. She lost with the preponderance of the evidence, lowest standard.
which is so interesting because rather than actually focus on the fact that he was found liable on the sexual abuse charge, they instead went ahead and pushed with the thought that she, E. Jean Carroll, was not able to obtain a liable verdict on the rape charge. The thing is, we all know that the reason for that is because she testified that she wasn't sure whether Donald Trump had inserted his member in her after putting his fingers in her, which actually just might say that his member wasn't anything necessarily larger than his fingers, if so the case. <laughs> but we'll leave that there. And we've all seen his hands, so. <laughs> yes, for you real. Know. Exactly, so that yeah, that actually speaks volumes. Um, and it also speaks volumes that Fox News kept it going in terms of getting these hosts who are out here defending Trump. Uh, I would submit to you, Martha, that Trump supporters are looking at this case as another witch hunt. The totality of all the civil criminal cases against Donald Trump for one reason only. They don't want this man to run for president. They don't want him to run. And I would submit to you that all this does is enhance his chances of winning in 2024. Trump is going to appeal this case, Martha. And I'll tell you right now, it's going to be resolved. But if anyone honestly believes this is going to stop President Trump from running for office, you're wrong. If anyone honestly believes that President Trump is going to take a dip in the polls, you're wrong. And that is the interesting question of the hour that everybody seems to be focused on right now. And check out this headline from The Hill, because they're giving us their thoughts that the Senate Republicans are questioning Trump's 2024 viability after sexual abuse verdict. That's right, not everybody feels that, hey, the 2024 election is still in the bag for the GOP nomination for Trump. And if they at least ask Senator Mitt Romney, well, he'd let you know that there is no hope for 2024, nor should there be for Donald Trump. I hope the, uh, the jury of the American people uh, reach the same conclusion about Donald Trump. He just is not suited to be president of the United States. Ah, it's a wise man right there. Um, and Republican senator, it's like uh, Bill Cassidy, the Republican out of Louisiana, who I do not care for. Oh, and but you know, he did vote to indict Trump in the January 6th attack. Well, he also spoken out against Trump and he showed some solidarity with Eugene Carroll. Check this out. He said, of course, it creates a concern. How could it not create a concern? If what that woman says has been found to be civilly liable, how could it do anything else but create concern? If she were your sister, what would you think? You feel for Miss Carroll. A woman should not be assaulted, period, end of story, period. Oh, that's really nice of Cassidy. It's like, yeah, you have to focus on E. Jean Carroll being a sister, being a mother, instead of just recognizing she's a person. <laughs> well, with that being said, a number of Senate Republicans have also either not commented, stayed away from it, or they've just kind of skirted, skirted around the issue, which I respect. Senator Josh Hawley, Republican out of Missouri, said that he still believes the ex-president will be the GOP presidential nominee and added that Trump being found liable for sexual abuse will make the general election interesting. He said voters will have to weigh that against the continuing pileup of scandals from the Biden White House. That's a choice that the voters make. I'd be very surprised if he wasn't the nominee, Holly said. It's so interesting, as we know, for those who are watching Fox News today, they are trying to come out with some scandal of Biden's, which is clearly an attempt to maybe change discourse off of the Trump verdict. But it's also clear that so many of his colleagues are afraid of speaking ill against him like Josh Hawley because they recognize Trump is still powerful. They just don't know how 2024 is gonna go. Uh, Francesco, Absolutely. what's your take? No, 
I mean, this just confirms what we always knew about Trump, that he is a predator, that he is a creep and everything that he said in private is absolutely how he behaved in public clearly and with people interpersonally. And I think it is, it's sad that they, the jury did not convict him and find him guilty of rape again. This was not a criminal case, so there wouldn't have been the consequences that there normally should have been for something like rape. Sexual abuse, it's like, I, I, yeah, tomato, tomato. I mean, you know, I think it is very funny if you watch his depositions, how he has zero remorse, not only for the Access Hollywood tapes where he admits that he grabs women by their genitals, but then. What happened to E. Jean Carroll, whether or not it was him or you know whether or not he believes he did it, he has no sympathy. He completely obviously says she's not my type, i.e. like I wouldn't rape her, fun. So look, if you're the Democrats, if you're Biden, you just replay those depositions over and over and over again. Guys, this was last October, this is not ancient history. He just doubled, tripled down on everything that he believes about women. So, you know, it makes sense the Republicans are thinking we might need an out here because absolutely you're going to alienate women and they already are by stripping away their reproductive rights and abortion rights. It's just funny because they're not going to change course. They are the biggest P word of all, right? Like that's the reality of this. They're not going to actually change it up because they're afraid of him. They have to lift up a predator. Yeah, and it's just incredibly wild that they feel that that's where their strong suit lies with someone who is under federal investigation, has now been found liable and verdict for sexual abuse, and also is facing charges right now in Manhattan Manhattan court. Like, get out so of many. here! It's like this is your winning winning piece. You're are you really bringing your best GOP? It yep. just it really shows you that they're not particularly smart. But I'd love to skip ahead to the last graphic in this section because I think it's incredibly important with yesterday's verdict to bear in mind that there were jurors out there who were willing to take the risk and to sit on this jury. And we know how incredibly dangerous it was for them because Trump loves to call upon his minions to threaten people. We saw what he did at the US Capitol and the language that he uses to incite this violence. It's very, very scary. And these individuals who sat there in the jury box, they recognize that and they still took the risk. So after the judge advised the jurors yesterday not to identify themselves after the verdict, well, CNN analyst Juliette KM added this. This is some post verdict jury instruction. You could get killed or injured, certainly harassed, definitely trolled. So don't identify yourself and don't identify anybody else. Trump's strongest legacy will always be violence as an extension of our democratic processes. Absolutely, this man will do everything in his power to get in the way of any kind of checks, balances, process. Democracy has never been his friend, it's been about power. And that's mm-hmm. that's exactly what he wants to orchestrate here. Exercises of power. Absolutely. And I do think this is a win ultimately, right? It's a it's minimally being held accountable. I mean, hats off to E. Jean Carroll for the amount of courage it took to come forward um, and recount this the most traumatic thing that has happened to her. Um, and look, five million dollars, it's something. Right, Giuliani could use that money. I'm sure all of the, his other lawyers who aren't going to get paid, uh, getting paid in IOUs written on Diet Coke cans, could use that money. <laughs> yeah, for real. Uh, it'll be interesting. Uh, and you know what? No one interviewed Giuliani yesterday. Well, that's interesting. It's I so hope. Sad. 
Yeah, I hope he's still in the country. Um, and same thing for George Santos, surrender your passport, Burra. <laughs> uh, anyway, well, we are gonna go on a short trip, just a few minutes, but then we're gonna catch you, uh, your comments. And then we'll be back with more news, see you in a moment. Welcome back to Unbossed, Adrian Lawrence filling in for the great Nina Turner. And guess what? Well, Gummy Dragon has something going on, that's for sure. I need you to shop tyt.com where there's some awesome progressive merchandise that's including this design featured featuring Gumby Dragon. Yes, join the ranks of the coolest dragons fighting injustice and corruption. Check it out at shoptyt.com. Also, uh, gotta be real, tonight is that CNN town hall featuring Donald Trump. And as much as we're not big on having fascists on the forefront of any kind of media outlet, well, CNN decided to give him uh, an opportunity. And anyway, it's your opportunity to listen to our commentary. That's right, Jank Uber is gonna go live on the Young Turks YouTube channel with his immediate reaction after the town hall. And you can find that at youtube.com slash the Young Turks. Also for podcasts, Unbossed is out there. Why aren't you a part of it? That's right, just in case you miss the show or maybe you just wanna hear us spout all sorts of wisdom. Well, go ahead, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, wherever you get your podcasts, sign up and give us those five stars because you know we deserve them. And who deserves love? Well, some TYT members at tyt.com. Vicky says, this is fun. Adrian and Francesca, Rose Santos, that's right. Eclectic <laughs> Miscellanea says, it's Adrian and Francesca. Adrian didn't need to say her name in case someone didn't already know her name. It's the background <laughs> of the cover of her book. Insert plug for book here. Thank you, much love. <laughs> Uh, Twitch, Rye the Therapy Dragon says, Freddy on TYT at 4 p.m. on Wednesday. What is this, the Twitchuation Room Revival? I know, right? R.I.P. R.I.P. <laughs> on YouTube, uh, Henry Downes uh, says, Adrian and Francesca, whoop, whoop, hey ladies, hey, what's up? Uh, Neil Mix says, but how do we know you're not George Santos? I think we've just been called out, Francesca. I mean, guilty as, yeah, I look, I wish, honestly, Adrian, I wish I had the audacity and the gall to lie as much as George Santos. Absolutely. Truly, like the most I'm like, oh man, I, I'm not proficient in Microsoft Excel. Should I put that on my resume? Like, that's what I do, you know? Yes, and he's out here. I speak fluent French, German, right. and Chinese. And <laughs> oh my God, this man is a piece of work. But uh, there are also some pieces of work going on in the current administration. Yes, because with Title 42 coming to an end tomorrow, well, the Biden folks, they've announced a new rule that will all but ban migrants at the border. Here's some details about this rule that goes into effect tomorrow. President Joe Biden's administration on Thursday will begin denying asylum to migrants who show up at the US-Mexico border without first applying online or seeking protection in a country they pass through, according to a new rule released Wednesday. It's part of new measures meant to crack down on illegal border crossings while creating new legal pathways, including a plan to open 100 regional migration hubs across the Western Hemisphere, administration officials said. Now, this severe measure is still a lot less strict than the one that was released in 2019, the rules that the Trump administration tried to push through, but for federal appeals courts saying not so fast and striking them down. But here, the Biden administration really is painting this rule that's coming out as a way of reducing the number of migrants that are showing up at the border while still allowing a chance for asylum to be achieved. Because right now it's about to be an unprecedented surge in migration. Check this mm -hmm. out for the AP. 
Economic and political instability around the world is fueling the highest levels of migration since World War II, including in the Western Hemisphere, the rule said. With known crossings from Mexico reaching an all time high last year due to an unprecedented exodus of migrants at different times from countries such as Brazil, Colombia, Cuba, Ecuador, Haiti, Nicaragua, Peru, and Venezuela. I wonder if there are any other countries on that list that the US has not ardently worked to destabilize. Mm. Mm. Well, a lot of groups who help migrants, they have called it life threatening and misguided. They think that these penalties are extremely harsh. And that's something that Francesca and I will talk about. But first, these are the penalties involved. Once the, char- once the change happens, migrants caught crossing illegally will not be allowed to return for five years. And they can face criminal prosecution if they do. The administration said in the new rule that as many as 11,000 migrants per day could try to cross the border after Title 42 lifts absent any changes. The Democratic administration will return migrants from Haiti, Venezuela, Cuba and Nicaragua to Mexico if they do not apply online, have a sponsor and pass a background check. It will admit 30,000 per month from those nations to the US with legal papers to work for two years. Mexico will continue to take back the same number who cross illegally. Now this definitely seems pretty callous and there are limited exceptions. The rule does not include room for exceptions for anyone with an acute medical emergency or facing imminent and extreme threat to life or safety, such as an imminent threat of rape, kidnapping, torture or murder. It does not apply to children traveling alone, however, but will apply to families. Mm. Wow, many people are fleeing persecution out there and qualifying for asylum is so rare. This new rule really seems kind of almost like a death sentence to many people who are coming to the United States because they need help. Am I reading this wrong, Francesca? No, I think you're absolutely right. And and actually it's not that different from as you spoke of Trump's rule new rules that he tried to impose that everyone also freaked out about legitimately. I mean, here's the deal. Our entire immigration system is completely broken. And so it is absolutely unfair to put this on migrants themselves. The fact that we take so long to process immigrants who do even apply legally, right? The fact that the immigration courts are insanely understaffed. There's the backlog is tremendous, and we don't actually have a smooth work visa program so people can safely enter or exit. So there's a lot of different reasons people come to the United States. They can be economic, but they can also be, you know, for fear of their lives. And when you seek asylum, it's it is because you are afraid for your life. Because you know the situation in Haiti, I don't know, the president was murdered, right? There are gangs roaming the street, your entire family was threatened and your country cannot and can no longer keep you safe. Again, thanks to a lot of legacies of US involvement as well. So the, the solution is big, but this stopgap measure will lead to more death. The stopgap measure I wish we had was let, let's allow Let's allow people to seek asylum again after Title 42 you know, goes away. Um, let's just have them and then we will deal. We will go case by case, but in the meantime, they will be out of harm's way. But of course, because that politically would look so supposedly look bad because we are we, we face a Republican party that relishes in cruelty. Um, The Biden administration is too afraid to do exactly that because it's too afraid to be seen as being kind to migrants. 
God forbid, God forbid, we yeah. look to take care of humans. But then again, since our nation is kind of built on exploiting humans by way of indentured servitude and slavery, it kind of makes me think that this is almost par for the course. The thought that, hey, I know you really need help. And I know that we've maybe created circumstances in which the nation that you are living in can no longer protect you or take care of you, but don't come to our door. And also yeah. the way that this is structured in terms of not having any exceptions for people who are dying or who are facing imminent threat in any way, but there will be exception for someone traveling as a child, that is gonna result in individuals leaving their children. Because they well, it know. already has. Yeah. Oh, exactly. And it's gonna be even worse. We are gonna have so many children. And since we know how much child sex trafficking goes on here, particularly in the United States, all it's gonna do is fuel that industry. Is the Biden administration ready for that? I mean, that's truly like, first of all, I mean, that's truly what, you know, the, the right claims to care about children, right? But as long as you're documented, if you're not documented, oh, and, and you're, uh, you're non-white, then you can kind of like, I don't care what happens to you. You can be trafficked. You can also end up in working in a factory uh, at age 12, you know what I mean, in, in uh, Arkansas. Thank you, uh, Governor Huckabee Sanders. The, I wanna correct something. I don't know if, I think it, this may be different where they will not be accepting children, minors anymore. Um, so that's interesting to note that they will only be accepting families. Um, which may reduce the amount of people who do send minors across the border, hoping that they will find a better life or be united with somebody who lives in this country. So anyway, that's something, it's such a big story, Adrian. There's a lot yeah, more to talk about. For real, because I don't, I thought that the world, uh, the treaties and humanities rule require us to accept children. Because uh, when I was over in Israel, that's why they accept Palestinian children who come over who mm. are being persecuted because they're queer or there's something different about them. That Israel accepts them with open arms and takes care of them. And also will find new homes for them, whether it's in Canada or somewhere safe for them. That that's an international rule you have to abide by. Right. Uh, well, we'll see. Unfortunately, the United States and Israel both <laughs> they violate international law on the regs. So, you know, <laughs> there, yeah. there, there are some things to work out for sure. Yeah. Um, and that definitely is the case uh, there in the Sunshine State because Florida, once again, facing some consequences for its actions. This time, it's because the House passed this massively cruel and xenophobic and racist anti-immigration bill. Yesterday, the Florida House approved SB 1718. And of course, it sailed through along party lines in part, well actually, because of the GOP supermajority that is going on in Florida's legislature. Now it imposes these tough penalties and restrictions. SB 1718 includes strengthens employment requirements, bans local governments from contributing money to organizations creating identification cards for undocumented immigrants, bars driver's license issued to non-citizens in other states from use in Florida, repeals a 2014 law that allowed undocumented immigrants to be admitted to practice law in Florida. And also, the bill would also authorize $12 million for the program enabling DeSantis's political stunts in which he flies migrants to other states while portraying them as burdens to society. And it would punish businesses and hire undoc that hire undocumented people. Now, once this is signed into law by Governor DeSantis, it's gonna take effect July 1. But even though the bills uh, has not taken effect or been signed in, it's definitely been felt without a doubt. Check out this headline from CBS Miami. Yeah, it says people aren't showing up to work. South Florida workers already feeling the heat of immigration bill. 
And there's been accounts on social media that have been documenting the response to SB 1718. For example, construction workers say that many of their employees, they've been MIA for fear of deportation. Watch this. There's like less than 20 people working today. Usually there's about 100. And it's really interesting. I'm wondering, uh, I'm wondering how they're gonna get this project done with out undocumented workers. Yes, uh, a lot of undocumented workers out there, they contribute to the construction industry significantly. And there's so many empty work sites that just abound right now. And people are blaming SB 1718, which has a lot of businesses scared because they could face $10,000 in fines or also um, having their business license revoked. And it's not just one work site, but multiple. Yeah. As you can see from this video here, that what we know is that there are individuals who are not necessarily showing up to do work. And it's a lot in part because, hey, 1718 is on the table. And as far as construction goes, according to the Center for American Progress, more than 2.8 million undocumented workers work in construction. And that composes about 24% of the industry. So you, Florida, and your hateful approach is knocking out about a quarter of that industry. And mm -hmm. Florida's hateful approach to immigration, it's been despised so much that even the president in Mexico piped up. Uh, Andreas Manuel Lopez Obrador condemned Bill 1718. He said this, now I found out that the Florida governor, imagine Florida, which is full of migrants, is taking repressive inhumane measures against migrants in Florida because he wants to be a candidate. Can't he not make another proposal to convince people? Exactly, the president of Mexico is like, you fool, you are so ignorant. You rely on migrants, You're, it sustains your economy just like it does the United States. Migrants are welcome and they are very much a part of our society. They deserve respect, they deserve opportunity. And you have so many individuals out here working very hard. Yet you have idiots like DeSantis who wants to advance white supremacy much so much to the point that he's willing to bankrupt the state and put it in absolute disarray to advance his neo-Nazi narratives. I'll just say it. Yeah, oh. I mean, it's it, it's a branding exercise and he's shooting himself in the foot while he thinks he's doing for, for like what? For, you know, 20 psychos on Facebook, you know what I'm saying? Like, like ultimately everyone knows the American economy runs on doc, undocumented labor, right? And it's these are human beings, there are 10 million of them who live in this country, who work in all kinds of sectors, right? And agriculture and, and construction are huge American sectors in that state, as well as across this country. Um, and here's the real thing, right? You really have to zoom out. Not only do we have a broken labor, um, excuse me, a broken immigration system, and those folks need a pathway to citizenship so they stop being persecuted. But we also need an overhaul of the labor movement, right? Look, construction and the economy rests. You know, there is a documentary, A Day Without a Mexican. Things don't get done in this country. The economy rests on this labor. And what happens when they're gone? Well, you've got to raise the wages if you want people who otherwise weren't doing this job to do that same job. So you're going to do that? I thought you wanted to funnel money upwards to the CEOs, to the construction company owners. Like, what what happens to that? Aren't they they're probably going to get in your ear and be pretty upset about this? So they're like, look, 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 talk the talk, but don't walk the walk, DeSantis. So we will see, um, and it's all just coming to a head, Adrian. Everything's coming to a head, and I love that Ron DeSantis is finding out the hard way. 
um, that doing things for show, it's like you don't go full, you, you don't fully commit to the bit, you know? You say you're gonna do it, I know what but you don't actually say. do it. And I'm glad you didn't say it. Yes, um, very much so. You don't commit all the way, but you know, DeSantis has continued to commit even to his union busting efforts and anti-union push. Yeah, that's totally. right. Because Governor DeSantis now has passed this bill and signed it in that really shows you how he feels about teachers and their abilities to come together. Yeah, so teachers and other government employees will have to write monthly checks if they want to stay in their union after Republican Governor Ron DeSantis signed a bill Tuesday banning automatic dues deductions from public employees' paychecks. The anti-union bill also gives employees the right to immediately quit a union for no reason and requires unions to rectify or recertify if the number of dues-paying members drops below 60% of those eligible to join. Yeah, putting in that extra step of making you write a check because you know so many of us carry checks nowadays. The purpose is to keep people from joining unions. And while DeSantis is claiming essentially that the bills gives teachers more freedom, well, Florida's Education Association saw right through all the nonsense, claiming that the actions were punishment for opposing his policies. The teacher union president stated this. The governor may not let his desire to crush perceived opponents get the best of him. This new law grossly oversteps in trying to silence teachers, staffs, professors, and most other public employees. We will not go quietly. Our students and our professions are simply too important. You're damn right. Teachers, the education system is extremely important and they are fighting a hell of a battle there in Florida with Governor Ron DeSantis and his minions, minion members of legislature who are putting up all of these hurdles that really prevent the teachers there in Florida from actually being able to do their jobs. And also, it really is creating a structure in which people can't learn, they can't grow and become informed citizens. But then again, that's what the GOP wants. Keeping an ignorant populace is a way to keep control. You know, school sucks already. I just can't imagine being in school in Florida and being like, okay, cool, cool, cool. So we have a governor who is hell bent on making the schools less safe by allowing more guns in the hands of psychos. We've already had our share of mass shootings in schools. And there are no more books anymore because everything is woke. And now my teachers unions are being impacted as if they weren't facing already an uphill battle. Like. I hate it here. I, I I wanna be in school for what? Like it is and, and honestly that's the point, right? It is to destabilize education, it is to destabilize teachers, and it is to actually funnel kids out of school and into the workforce. Hey, go uh, you know, go work the jobs that uh, that nobody want that you all the migrant workers aren't working anymore. Um, you know, like like truly and, and honestly what that does is doesn't create a, a robust Society, an educated society. You know what I'm saying? So, anyway, it's just, it's one more hit. It's one more hit against teachers here. And I'm actually kind of jealous, Adrian, that their governor is so cavalier about his agenda. Whereas Governor Newsom here in California, supposedly a blue state, has doesn't really have what it takes to be like, you know, I want Gavin Newsom to be like, you know what? I'm gonna do the anti-DeSantis and universal health care, like for all Californians. Let's do this, Newsom. Look at what DeSantis is doing. Do the opposite. That sounds like an utter dream. But 
Yeah, we're just gonna have to sit here with the world's fourth largest economy and hope for the best. <laughs> In the meantime, we are gonna take a break, but we are gonna come back with your comments. See you soon. Welcome back, Adrian Lawrence filling in for the great Nina Turner. And as I promised, let's get to your comments. Yes, that's right, for two IT members. Mickey C, the silver haired dragon says, hell, I thought that our constitution said that migrants must be admitted or given a court date, but then I'm not a Supreme Court justice. So what could I know? Good question. No, Malfiori no. says George DeSantis, or George DeSantis needs to be careful with the Jewish comments. They might hit him with their space lasers. Yeah, you know how these righties like to come up with these anti-Semitic conspiracy theories. Twitch says, TOS snitch says, Trump and GOP routinely demonize Mexican Hispanics as lazy. Since the 60s, Mexicans have been the top cement stone tile workers in USA. I don't doubt it. And also JFMEHL81 says the GOP never wanted to fix immigration. They wanted undocumented laborers. They can underpay and hold deportation over their heads. Yes, yes, mm -hmm. and yes. They don't want people who actually need asylum, who actually need refuge. No, they don't. They want people they can exploit. And Democrats do. Democrats go along with it. They say they don't, but they do. Mm-hmm. And it just, it honestly, it really does piss me off how individuals will be the backbone of your society. They will labor for you. They are being exploited with these low wages, but they need help and you just turn your back on them. It's like, get out of here with, I just think it's disgusting. Yep. Anyway, so on YouTube, well, Simple Ways says, Bernie just got done in a hearing with big pharma CEOs. Bernie ended up, ended saying, go home and ask yourself, people are dying due to your greed. Those CEOs knew they were caught with facts, heartburning, absolutely. Because what we're looking at is people wanting to continue to be greedy and to consume resources, but not actually want to do their jobs and maybe, I don't know, help or advance we the people. But let's go ahead and go to Arizona where there is a lawmaker not only trying to advance we the people, but doing a really, um, I guess, quasi illegal thing to do that. Yeah, check this out. Arizona State Representative Stephanie Hamilton being called out oh, by the likes of all sorts of members of the GOP for what they call is an ill-advised prank. Uh-huh, here this is. That is Hamilton walking around hiding the Bibles. Yes, the Bibles that are located in Arizona's, uh, their Capitol building there with all the lawmakers. She takes issue with the fact that there should be Bibles there. That's not okay. Yeah, she was doing this after a small gathering inside the Arizona House Members Lounge. And Stephanie Hamilton, she was caught on camera, as you could see there. And they figured out it was her. This is really interesting about Stephanie Hamilton, excuse me. She is a Presbyterian minister herself. She had been hiding Bibles from the members lounge in odd places like inside a refrigerator. Stahl Hamilton has explained it as a playful commentary on the separation of church and state and a protest against the weaponization of religion in politics. Now the GOP apparently did not appreciate her sense of humor. But before we get to that, I definitely have to ask you Francesca, how do you like this prank? 
Oh, I love it. I mean, look, I think, you know, girl, just do whatever. Try. Might as well try. You know, those Bibles are dusty. No one's cracked them in a while. Flip it to the passage, the verse you like, you know, and and see, put it put it, you know, put it in the urinal, put it in the like in front of someone's lunch in the in in the in the break room. Like I just think it's very first of all, it's very caring energy. I mean, so much time on your hands. But secondly, I just think it's it's funny. I think it's great. I think it's absolutely wild. You know, um, I do very much, very, very much appreciate this call out about fascism. The fact that people are using, or they call it Christian fascism. People are using um, things in their ministry, in the Bible, to uh, advocate for advancing laws, even though there's supposed to be a separation of church and state. So I can appreciate Stahl Hamilton making this issue known by essentially engaging in this prank. But of course, the GOP wasn't a fan, this per NPR. The prank captured the attention of GOP leadership, who after finding the missing Bibles, decided to install hidden cameras to catch the culprit. Since being caught, not all of Stahl Hamilton's colleagues are laughing. Three even filed formal ethics complaints against her. We and other members of the Arizona House who cherish our faith and hold the Bible in reverence do not see Representative Stahl Hamilton's disrespect of scripture as playful in any regard. Representatives Justin Heap, David Marshall, and Lupe Diaz wrote in their complaint against Stahl Hamilton last week. In it, the three first term Republican representatives accuse her of disorderly conduct under House rules. Theft and creating a hostile work environment under state and federal laws protecting workers from religious discrimination. Even the failed gubernatorial candidate Carrie Lake had to chime in on what she felt was so incredibly offensive. She hit Twitter with this. This is AZ House Dems member Saul Hamilton stealing Bibles from the House Members Only Lounge at the Arizona State Capitol. This isn't normal behavior. But Democrats are so used to getting away with everything that they feel emboldened to do bizarre things like this. And the Arizona Freedom Caucus, yeah, they put out this tweet, which is kind of funny. Marked safe from Democrat Bible thief Stephanie Stahl Hamilton with a picture there of the Ten Commandments. I'm sure it's very safe somewhere up in a Texas schoolroom. I mean, anyway, what, the, 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 what is the point? They, they, all they want is the Bible everywhere. So she put it everywhere. She gave it to them. What's not to love? They want in God we trust in everything, right? It's just like, it's so benign, it's so stupid. It's the equivalent of like, you know, writing in chalk outside of Brett Kavanaugh's home and everyone's freaking out, like, oh my God, his life was threatened. No, it's not. That's your party that stokes political violence and, you know, to a lot of effect. And also, why is there a bunch of Bibles there in the house lounge? Like, again, if you have a Bible in your own chambers, that's one thing. But for the lounge to have a bunch of Bibles everywhere when there is a separation of church and state. I give her full props for hiding those Bibles because it completely should not be there. Anyway, the complaint could be nothing. It also could end up in a house vote for punishment. Yeah. Uh, that censure at most expulsion, hopefully none of that. But the Arizona Democrats, they're saying that this entire situation is political retribution. House Minority Leader Andres Cano told Arizona PBS that he fears the complaint is payback against Stahl Hamilton. She filed an ethics complaint in March that led to the expulsion of a Republican representative for that lawmaker's role in spreading a baseless election conspiracy about other elected lawmakers. Now, Representative Hamilton has since come out and apologized. I'm sure hoping that the complaints would stop and that the, I'm sure, Republican dominated legislature won't maybe kick her out. And this is what she said. Members, I stand here today wanting to acknowledge 
the offense I committed by my actions of hiding Bibles in the members' lounge. The intent was never to be destructive, to never desecrate, or to offend. I acknowledge that a conversation about the separation of church and state should have began with a conversation. I hold scripture very dear to my heart. It is what guides me. It is what shapes and informs the decisions I make. I have the utmost respect for people of all faiths and for those who choose not to have a faith. And because of that respect, I recognize that my actions could have been seen as something less than playful and offensive. And for those of you who I have deeply offended, I apologize. That was never the intent. Oh, that's so nice of her. The woman is a Presbyterian ordained minister. Like she's all about this God stuff. She's just not all about God and the workplace, which is supposed to be where you make laws, where you have a state that is supposed to separate church and state. I don't understand why it's such a big deal, but I also see or could see how the Republicans want to strike back at her. Yeah, no, ridiculous. Um, I, I I can withhold commentary if you want to do one more story or I can keep going. <laughs> oh, no, no, this is our last story. No, look, I think that it is, it's so silly to me that they got offended, right? I was just trying to figure out like, okay, what is exactly is she doing? Cuz it seems like she was just moving stuff around, right? Like she was just sort of like playing find the Bible. And you know no one was looking for their Bible because they claim to support, you know, the teachings of Jesus, but they don't actually read the teachings of Jesus. I mean, maybe they're more Old Testament people. So, I think it's Again, Adrian, we live in a moment where Republicans are so triggered. Yes, triggered, the word that they think the left is. Um, they're so triggered by the the messenger and not the message. Yeah. They're triggered by the fact that there were Bibles in different places versus what is actually happening, which is yes, the coalescing of religion and government to the point where we can't we can't distinguish a difference anymore. And truly religious laws. I mean, I know we shouldn't be saying things like Yal Qaeda, you know, or like, but it is for for a party that loves to demonize Islam and talk about you know Sharia law all the time. Look at how religiously guided the laws that they are pushing, or supposedly religiously guided the laws they're pushing are. Absolutely, again, y'all need to look it up, it's called Christian fascism. And that's exactly what they are doing by elevating these tenants that are spiritual Christian tenants. And also using that to weaponize and advance law that is completely and totally disgusting and it's not okay. Especially when you have so many Americans out here criticizing other countries for being a religious based country. When sure. we very much are, my God, you look at our dollar bill and it's in God we trust written across it. It's absolutely junk, but I know what's not junk is Francesca Fiorentini. You want to quickly <laughs> tell everybody where they can find more of you? Yeah, yeah. Everybody follow me at Franny Fio on all the things, and you can find me at the Bituation Room podcast on the TYT network. You can also find it on YouTube and Twitch slash Franny Fio every Tuesday and Friday, 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern. Fantastic, you can catch me on Rebel HQ and it has been great being your host this week. Oh, thanks so much for your time, love you long, see you later.
Thanks for listening to Unbossed. If you like the show, then you'll enjoy our other podcasts on TYT Network like The Damage Report with John Idarola, Indisputable with Dr. Rashad Ritchie, and The Young Turks. Make sure to listen and follow, and if you like what you hear, give us a five-star rating.